welcome to The Big Deal, where we unlock the details and drama behind the business of sport in Australia and around the world. Join me, Warren Treadray, along with Andrew Montessi and our expert guests as we take you into the boardroom for behind-the-scenes access and analysis of contracts, negotiations, endorsements and much more. Subscribe to our show on your favourite podcast player and don't forget to sign up to www.thebigdeal.au for a weekly wrap of the latest deals, breaking news and many more exclusive opportunities. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of The Big Deal. I'm Jack Hudson and joining me as always, Port Adelaide legend Warren Treadray. Treaders, how are you mate? I'm good, Hudo. Big, uh, massive week in sport, AFLW Grand Final. Boss gets steps down, we'll get to all that soon, but I think you're going to pick a scab, aren't you? Uh, yeah, got to get that out of the road. So, came through my emails last week that the uh, member vote for the uh, Port Adelaide Club board has opened. Earlier this year, you're obviously encouraged to go for the vote by uh, Chairman David Koch, um, Treaders. Are you putting your name in the hat? Yes, is the answer. There you have, you've heard it there, everyone. Treaders is putting his name forward. So we'll get straight into uh, the news of the week once we've uh, done with that. So AFLW boss uh, Nicole Livingston has stepped down. Treaders, um, how have you seen this one? Well, this is interesting because not very often you have the effectively boss of the AFLW competition stepped down in grand final week because that's what's happened with the AFLW grand final this weekend. So um, I think she's done a pretty good job. Obviously, former Olympic swimmer, I think went to three Olympics, stepped in, was a really interesting choice when she was picked. I think she's done a good job growing the game. The game's in a better space than it has been. The talent level's as good as it's been. Uh, I think they still need to settle on when the best time of the year is to play. Obviously, with COVID, threw that out where they had two seasons in one calendar year, I think it was at one stage. But, um, you know, to, you know, ripping prelim finals, uh, ripping final series, close games. Um, and, yeah, uh, look forward to a, a big game this week. Yeah, so what, what does the new the next general manager of women's football need to do for the game, do you reckon? I think it's just a continual growth. I think participation is where it all starts. Um, I know when the season... You know, the competition started, what, eight seasons ago? Nine years? God, it's it's flown by. Um, it was effectively top-field competition and fixed the, the lower levels after that. You know, because there was a season put in of AFLW, season one, Aaron Phillips, the big star, dominates. Uh, Daisy Pierce also really dominant. I think the Crows won the first year by memory. Um, and you sit back and go, well... Where's this game going? Well, we don't have participation levels catching up. And all of a sudden, it was just this boom from the bottom up to say that young girls want to play footy. Mm. They want to play AFLW. So then we've seen the resources fill all footy clubs. We need extra change rooms for the girls to get changed. And I know in um, uh, a role previously I had in the media, went to a Kenilworth, Kenilworth footy club. And I think at one stage, they had 14 girls teams. Um Jeez. And six boys teams. So it just exploded. And I think that's been wonderful. And I think the growth has been huge. But the next piece of the puzzle is to keep improving the quality of their game, uh, drive attendance, drive interest. Um, and also you've got to, as we've seen with netball and the challenges they face, but you've got to, ca- and soccer, because it is international, but you've got to capture. You've got to get that big tuna net out and capture as many young players that want to play, both from um, AFL, men's or boys, oh. um, and AFLW. Um, to to keep uh, being a strong competition and the number one sport in the country. Well, mate, you mentioned uh, there needs to be a few changes in the AFLW goal line tech. Um, yeah, bit of an incident in this week's preliminary final. So, um, 
What do you reckon? They need to bring it in, surely. But it's been offered for no charge for this weekend. Well, this is this is the bit that the AFL men's stuff is probably needs to be looking at. Obviously, with the uh, Sydney Crows game, um, you know, obviously the technology didn't get used, which that was another issue. But uh, I've always been a believer that um, you look at state of the art technology and um, the person who's involved in effectively the Snicko technology has said that the cameras and everything's sitting there and he's offered up for a state-of-the-art system for no charge ahead of this weekend's grand final. I understand why the AFL effectively hasn't really taken up that offer as yet because how do you throw it in for one game that it hasn't gone games? If it doesn't work, it'll be a massive mess up for their for the ultimate game, the grand mm. final. So, But I think that's certainly something in an area that the AFL needs to be looking at because, you know, from a, a broadcasting point of view, um, the technology is there to prevent the howler and, and at times it's not preventing the howler and in, in many cases, you know, it's sort of leading us no better off than we were previously. Sure, it has turned over many opportunities, but um, it all comes back to the quality of the camera work, the HD vision, super slow-mo technology. If you're going to do it, do it for long. And I think that's a classic example. I can understand why the AFLW don't want to roll it in for one game, um, but maybe it needs to be looked at um, so that you know it, it can be set up for every game is covered and has the same technology, whether it be MCG or you're playing a game at um, uh, in Alice Springs or Darwin. Yeah, I think Geelong have... Um, yeah, they've had a few incident, um, incidents this season. I think one where it was clearly a point was given a goal or... Alongside, along those lines, um, the Adelaide Oval scoreboard has had a bit of a change, Shredders. Um, the iconic scoreboard up on the hill, it's um, realigned. It's got a new look, which realigning with the uh, recent changes to the Lords of Cricket. So the word batsman is gone. The word batsman is gone and has been replaced with batting on the score scoreboard, which um, is in line with the general neutral terms of batter and batters rather than batsman and batswoman. Um, what's your thoughts with it, Shredders? Oh, I, well, I think it's following the rules. There's no problem with that. I'd rather batting than batters. Batters has always sound different to me, and I've still struggled to use that. I, you know, a lot of your terminology changes when you're commentating or you're a, foot, a footy or cricket or sporting fan. But in this case, it's always the batters has gone, what's bat? Oh, batsman. Oh, yeah, we're not saying batsman anymore. So batting, no problem about that. Um, and I guess it's in line with what, what the world is doing. It's changing. You know, you're more inclusive. Um, you know, my auntie um, a few years ago now was Australian cricket captain uh, for the women. So, you know, she lived the whole era through that. Um, it's not a discussion we've had on this point, but the the reality is I think it's changing and changing for the better in this, in terms like this. Absolutely. Uh, we've spoken a few times on the pod about the uh, Melbourne Cup broadcast readers and it looks like it's getting closer, but the VRC seems like it's in a bit of a strife still. Yeah, well, the, the VRC have been struggling for a profit of the race um, that stops a nation. Obviously, um, they borrowed an additional $15 million from the ANZ um, in its last full financial year, but that's racked up now to $45 million in operating losses over the last three years. So clearly, the last three years, we all know that that, um, that sticky thing in the throat called COVID has affected a lot of businesses. And um, when the, you know, I think we, we ran the first Melbourne Cup in that year with effectively trainers and jockeys and, and owners the only people and major sponsors to get into the uh, into the race at Melbourne Cup. So a lot has changed. Um, and the fact that now the ANZ has reportedly lent out $63.5 million, uh, through a facility in November 2025, now I've only 20000 left. So this is the challenge. Racing Victoria, the governing body, um, they're owed $10 million, um, and, and they made a, a, almost a fifteen. million 
million dollar net loss uh, to July last year. So this is the challenge going forward. The ten, the broadcast deal with Channel Ten, five years, hundred million cash and contra expired without an extension. Uh, ten obviously pulled out of the running. Seven effectively pulled out of the running. That leaves the nine networks. So. What they're saying now is that effectively the Nine Network will pay a small portion of the rights deal, the majority coming from Tabcorp. Tabcorp have had an existing deal for a number of years. It's also reported that Tabcorp and the VRC have agreed a six-year contract, which includes sponsorship and other wagering rights as well. So that's where the big money is. It's in the wagering. Um, And obviously the TV broadcast is the one which brings the eyeballs to it. So the Nine yes. Network look like they're going to actually inherit a pretty affordable deal con- compared to what Channel 10 paid years beforehand and, and a majority of that money coming from Tabcorp. Being a lot of cash, Fetters. IPL, um, Josh Hazelwood has been released by the uh, Royal Challengers Bangalore and um, Cameron Green has been traded into that team from the Mumbai Indians in a $3.15 million deal, while our yeah. boy is set to get a bit, bit of a pay packet too. Yeah, he certainly is, and that's Travis Head. But the, the interesting one, too, is um, the um, confirmed that Hazelwood has a baby on the way due in March. So that'll be the reason, because you'll be yeah. missing for at least the first half of the season. Take yourself back 12 months, Jack. That's exactly why Travis Head effectively was uh, ignored, because he not had a baby on the way. He got married uh, yeah. in between heading off for the Test World Championship, the Ashes, then followed by the World Cup, all that. Um, so Travis Head, obviously, with his dominant form, um, in the uh, five-day arena, but uh, more recently at the World Cup arena, uh, where he was um, man of the match in the uh, winning uh, World Cup team over India. Um, he, years ago, was actually contracted. Well, Travi Head was used actually as a decoy when he was coming out of restaurants because he had a teammate called A.B. de Villiers, who the Indian fans were nuts for. He used to wait hours outside hotels and restaurants and Jeez. they reckon Travi Head was used as the decoy to get out first. Well, I tell you now, they'll need a Travis Head decoy with a dirty, rotten moustache because he would be <laughs> an IPL sensation instantly. And you look at all the teams, um, you know, he, he is one guy that, you know, really is going to be set to join both Pat Cummins and Green as the third Aussie potentially in the $3 million bracket for six to eight weeks' work. So, Travi Head, it's amazing, isn't it? We've wondered why. You know, he, he made a, a century many years ago for the Adelaide Strikers on New Year's Eve, won the game that day. You knew he could hit, but he hadn't consistently been in that purple patch of form. Well, he's in a purple patch of form for one day, as, uh, obviously over with the T20 series at the moment in India and also the five-day series um, where he's just been absolutely brilliant and he's just playing as he should, not trying to play how coaches want him to play, just see ball, hit ball, and he's doing it beautifully, and he will make an absolute fortune. And this isn't a, a, a full auction this time round because mm-hmm. that, that's actually coming out in 18 months to, to two years, um, but this one will still... Uh, when you've got teams clearing up their um, their uh, playing roster and moving money, you know that they're going to have a genuine crack at a guy called Travis Head, and um, he'd be already making millions playing for Cricket in, uh, Cricket Australia... In all three formats, but he's going to make even more um, when he now heads off to the IPL after this auction. Tell you what, mate, he's come a long way from playing in the South Gawler Footy Club forward line alongside me. I tell you what. Well, it's amazing, isn't it? And you also hear stories because he, um, I think he went out to Salisbury. His dad rang up Salisbury Cricket Club many years ago to say, Can I come and try? My son, come and try. And no one got back to him. So he went out to Tea Tree Gully. Oh, jeez. Uh, yeah. Talk about missed opportunities. Return yeah, your messages. Salisbury. Yeah, all back. Uh, Sydney Sixers are going to benefit as well. Steve Smith's back for the big bash. 
Yeah, and this I think this has been a big drawcard for Australian cricket. Remember last year, Chris Lynn played for the Strikers and had to leave, obviously went off to the, uh, I think, Pakistan League. Um, yeah, insanity. Yeah, and we've seen Rashid Khan do that in the past where Adelaide won the title. He was their best player, number one T20 player in the world and didn't play in the final because they had to take off. What they did really well last year, and even though all the Australian players didn't dominate, I know Travis Head and Alex Carey came back, played for the Strikers, Dave Warner and Steve Smith went and played for their Sydney teams respectively. And I think it added to the second half and clearly the ratings for the Big Bash were a lot better. And now we're seeing obviously less games around. So Smith will play in the Big Bash, which is going to be great. Um, yeah, And he'll play his first game against the Melbourne Renegades on de- December 8 before returning um, to play the Sydney Smash on January 12. So we mentioned Rashid Khan before. Bad news for poor Adelaide Strikers, their marquee player is out. He's had back surgery, a minor back surgery, uh, obviously after the the um, 50 over World Cup. Um, he's the number one ranked bowler in T20, so um, Strikers going to have to pull something out because um, that's a rather large hole in your bowling lineup for him to leave. Not only that, but marketing power as well. Like a lot of people come just to watch Rashid Khan, so bit of a bloody shame. Speaking of. Bloody shame, Strad. This, uh, this Netball Australia stuff is getting worse and worse as the weeks drag on. Yeah, I've had that night of nights, um, but it was missing a few stars and, and players who weren't actually contractually obliged to attend effectively refused to. Courtney Bruce capped off the year claiming the Liz Ellis um, diamond for the second yeah. year, but a player bo- a boycott really took away the headlines. And let's face it, this has been a mess since before the World Cup where they actually won the world title where um, they still haven't got a pay deal um, and you're rolling out player of the year. So I still think at the end of the day, you know, the Netball Players Association released a statement tonight. Uh, are the Netball Australia Awards and the Diamonds are attending because they are legally obliged to be present. With no agreement of our collective bargaining agreement, SSN players have been unpaid for nearly eight weeks. We'll continue to fight for fair and we have requested what we've requested is affordable and sustainable to the game and promotes a genuine partnership to grow the game. So Liz Ellis actually put out her statement saying that she only got an invite about three weeks before the event, but said had a conflict that couldn't change. And then she's pretty much backed up the players. So uh, there's been talk that she may try and run for a board position and really shake up Netball Australia, but it needs to happen because. I don't know how you can sit back and go, well, the game's in great shape. We've got the best team in the world. Mm. We've got Collingwood tearing up a licence, Craig Hutchison taking on that licence and taking it, I think, to regional Victoria. Um, The players still don't have a pay deal. They haven't been paid since the end of their season, um, which I think was October. So one October payments, 29th, sorry, 30th of um, September was effectively their last day employed. And we're expecting to run a professional lineup. Yeah, someone needs to get in there and shake this up. Hundred percent. No, couldn't agree more. Meanwhile, good news for in the NRL for the um, St George Illawarra Dragons. They're set to get a big boost with um, Andrew Twiggy Forrest set to sign as a sponsor. Yeah, Squadron is the company. Squadron Energy um, mm. is set to become the Dragons' um, front of shirt sponsor from twenty five. So uh, Twiggy Forrest, you know when he's sponsoring, yeah, you're doing okay because. Um, He's valued at $33.29 billion on the financial review <laughs> list for 2023. And Ooh. sadly for him, he's in second place. He's behind Gina Reinhardt, who is effectively bankrolling um, a lot of our swimmers. Um, so obviously both people putting their money where their mouth is and, and backing up key sport. 
maybe between the two of them, we might need them to get involved in netball and clear decks <laughs> and sort that out. But um, one of the most aligned sponsorships I've seen in many, many years is St. George Illawarra Dragons have been effectively sponsored by St. George Bank. So yeah. St. George has looked after both St. George, um, but that deal is obviously coming out. So uh, Twiggy Forrest has stepped up and the word is it's close to $1.2 million a year for his energy company, Squadron Energy. So um, that would be sitting in his ashtray too. <laughs> in crypto, probably. Just bang, here you go. Take some Bitcoin. You know what uh, Ricky Bobby said? If you ain't first, you're last. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Um, uh, speaking, this... of, speaking of, oh, dear, Jack. Yeah, oh, dear, Josh, indeed. Josh, Josh Giddy, um, mm. Oklahoma, Aussie Boomers, um, Guard. Yeah. He's under investigation by the NBA for allegations of improper relations with an underage girl surface on social media. The social media account that posted all these um, photographs of Giddy with this girl has been deactivated. Um, and, and Giddy did step up at training and effectively said, I understand the questions. So he did front the press conference. He said, I can't be in a, a, a situation where he can comment right now. Um, it doesn't look good. But no. there is all sorts of allegations that the girl is anywhere between 16 years of age and 18 years of age and age of consent are sort of over those years. So um, the NBA is looking into it. I believe the police aren't looking into it from what I've read. The financial element of this and the big deal, not going to get involved in whether someone's done something or not. We pick mm. a major sponsor of yes. Giddies um, that pay him 40 million Aussie dollars, uh, or 40 million dollars. I'm not sure if it's Aussie or US dollars over a four year deal. So it's a $10 million sponsorship a year have, um, pulled back from him promoting Weepix. Um, so that is potentially the financial element of where this goes. Um, but yeah, I think uh, they've they've removed him from a lot of things, but they're on a wait and see sort of situation. So yeah, it certainly hasn't been torn up yet, but it's something we'll obviously follow here. So, um, yeah, not ideal. Um, and speaking of other situations that aren't great, but Lucas Neal, former Socceroo, um, played at Everton for a while. Um, West Ham. even. West Ham might have been beat Leeds at one stage, Sydney FC, Galatasaray. Um, he has been acquitted following a seven-year bankruptcy fight. Neil has effectively spoken out. Uh, he's avoided jail on failing to disclose an acreage um, that he needed $4 million from an offshore trust account. He's effectively said, well, I was told it wasn't worth anything by my accountant. But reality is that uh, Lucas Neal has disappeared from public view after his retirement. Um, reportedly bankrupt just two years later. He was earning English money, £40,000 a week with West Ham plus win bonuses, and that is in the pocket. So he's he's spoken at length at stages about poor business ventures he got involved in, took a sideswipe at people he trusted, obviously, and didn't much. And and this investigation to his bankruptcy left him unable to actually own his own mobile phone and pay for it over the last seven years. So... Mm. Not an ideal situation and a situation where many worldwide leagues do have situations of governance where they go, you need to be an accredited agent to look after people because yeah. they just don't want Johnny Smith, the dodgy investor, who's going to do a Concord scheme or a you know, um, <laughs> House of Cards scheme where it all comes flying down um, and people get caught up and their uh, their earnings are gone in this way. But this is a very sad situation of someone who reached mm. the top, went to World Cups, dominated for us, and was a captain of Australia for many, many years. 
Well, hopefully this lad's a bit better with the money that he gets. Um, Trent Alexander-Arnold, he's um, yeah, he signed one of the highest-paying boot deals in Europe after making a deal with Adidas. Yeah, this is a really interesting chat, this one, in terms of he, he was dropped by um, Gareth Southgate for England not so long ago. His form has been so red hot, he's back in the team. Mm. He plays as a defender, but really the way um, Liverpool play him, He's a midfielder. He push when they win the footy. Footy, I say footy. When they win the ball, um, <laughs> it is a footy. I suppose, isn't it? It's yeah. football. It's a ball um, that he pushes forward. Um, so he's not the greatest defender at all, but geez, he can get forward. But they're, they're saying this deal is one of the highest paying boot deals in Europe. And, and Adidas are clearly going young, right? Mm. He was originally with Under Armour since 2017. You know, they've thrown the cash at him, but they've also thrown the cash at more cash, that is. Oh, cash. In- Englishman, Real Madrid's Jude Bellingham. Well, he's broken the record for the amount of goals scored in the first 15 matches of his career at Real Madrid, more so than Cristiano Ronaldo, one more goal, and Barcelona's Pedri. So they'll all be the face of the Adidas Predator. Back in the day, one name mm. comes to mind when you talk about Adidas Predator, it was David Beckham, Bender yes. like Beckham. It was all off the back of that. And to make matters even better for Adidas, Trent Alexander-Arnold wore his boots on the weekend when he scored an absolute cracker after being 1-0 down at Man City to level it and to level the game at one all. So 10 uh, minutes to go, equaliser, new boots, ka-ching, ching Very much so. And that, uh, Who did that put on top of the table, Trent, as that result? Just quietly. Yeah, Arsenal, but we move on. Don't talk yeah. about it. Because it can only go down from there. <laughs> so true. Uh, we'll go to Live Golf then. Uh, John Rahm, he's uh, reportedly looking at a Live Golf deal worth 600 million US bucks, which is just under a million dollars each, just quietly. Well, isn't, um, it funny? isn't it funny, this one? It was only weeks ago we were talking about how there's effectively been a monetarium between Live and the US PGA to say, let's sort this out, let's stop all the legal action, let's bring the comps effectively so they can work together. Mm. That's got a little bit ugly um, once again, and it's resulted in John Rahm effectively being offered a $600 million US deal, while Max Homer is another gun player, I think number five in the world. He's rumoured to be offered about $500 million. Now, the talk around is that Rahm would effectively join the team captain by fellow Spaniard Sergio Garcia. However, Rahm has previously spoken about his dislike for the live format. Um, To be honest, part of the format's not appealing, he said. Shotgun, three days to me, is not golf, tournament golf. There's no cut. It's simple. Um, but then if we look at how this all rolls out and, you know, you took even a bigger look at some of how the money is done. Like, uh, Bryce and Duchambeau signed a three-year deal for $100 million to join Live, right? So if we start to break down how that looks, because they're all talking about now, hey, he's out of contract soon. How are these guys going to get more money again? Because there's no seducing them to come over because they're already there. And it's probably pretty difficult to go back to the US PGA. But they're still offering Liv massive sign-up bonuses. So clearly when Rahm's offered 600, I'm not sure that that's just sign-up. That had probably a version of sign-up and then X amount per year to play plus the prize money that's on offer. But when you talk about uh, Bryson DeChambeau, that 100 million three-year deal, effectively, the signing bonus that he would get if he was re-signed again in 12 months' time, DeChambeau, would be to cancel out 
some of the contracts he's got or he's actually lost because we know that the way the USPGA rolled this out, they effectively said to all the golfing sponsors of the world, pick a side, pick us, the USPGA Tour, or you can go away and write on the Live Tour. Well, it hasn't worked as well as they would have hoped over the journey because the sign-on fees that these players are getting is effectively if you lost your Nike or um, you know Ping clothing deal, then Live effectively and the team logos would cover you to pay you to wear their stuff. You know, obviously, so you can go, they can sell the merchandise and all that. So it's, it's expect effectively these sign-ons are replacing the revenue from the old um, club contract that Bryson DeChambeau had with Cobra. Um, it's also replacing other sponsorship income, also uh, appearance bonuses from sponsors and commercials that effectively you weren't allowed to do because of that pick aside. And then also you're talking about replacing his PIP money. And then the other bit too, which is the massive one, which is paying up front for multiple years. They get that. And then also too, with that pick aside, the, the other challenge they've also got um, in terms of this situation is the appearance money. Because, Jeez, yeah. yeah, like we don't know, for example, say, remember Melbourne years ago got Tiger Woods before everything came out about him. Um, the Victorian government paid him to come and play. I think it was the Australian Open or Australian Masters or... Mm. Or, um, and then also to uh, might have been Ryder Cup or, or a version President's Cup. It was actually President's Cup. You're right. So there's massive money for appearance to make sure that these people actually get on the plane and appear. So the, this is where the live signups actually cover out all these things. The thing that's worked really well with the live players is a lot of players have actually kept um, Brooks Kepkers kept his Nike contract. Um, some have actually acquired new sponsors in around the live. So not only are they getting this money up front, they're also getting sponsors aligned to live to help them out as well. So, um, you know, and you talk about a guy like Rory McIlroy, um, tailor-made deal for clubs. He's getting about $20 million a year over five years, so that's $100 million. He's likely to then get that same sort of money from Nike for his clothing year. You know, hat sponsorship, sleeve sponsorship, shoe sponsorship, putter sponsorships, and as you said before, the big one, appearance fees and tournaments. So I don't see how this is going to end um, very quickly, but if it does, that's why they're saying to the John Rams of the world why they're looking at it because they're getting the huge money up front. There is a genuine chance this gets settled in the next couple of years. So he might have a couple of years just doing live, and because he's won major tournaments, he's able to appear at the major tournaments for the next few years as former winners as well. So this is the challenge uh, challenge facing some of the the golfers. They might jump, take the cash early, and then the end be in a situation where they can play both tournaments. Uh, heading towards at the moment because, as they've said, the PGA has previously announced that they, you know, they wouldn't that allow golfers the freedom to participate oh. in live promotion events. Now it looks like they're sort of trying to tighten up on that again, uh, threatening suspensions um, if ambitious golfers play in those tournaments. So it, it's starting to get ugly again. I I don't just surely just co like work together like you can make something magic, but. Yeah, or, or do do what happens because we have the DP World, right, mm. which is effectively the European uh, tour, and that was yep. actually part of the Australian Open, which is uh, recently on Australia. Um, that was partly DP World, so you do get points. And this is the challenge for the live players: is the full-time live guys like Dustin Johnson's, Deschamps, uh Cam Smith. Unless you're a former winner of a major, 
you can't accumulate enough points to actually get in to qualify for the majors or to keep your card on the USPGA. Jeez. So that that's the challenge is because the PGA hasn't offered points for Liv, but if Liv did a deal with the European, um, well, the, the DP World Tour, that's where you can sort of get in the middle. But I think it's healthy. Competition's healthy. Yep. You know, even if you did open it up, I'm not convinced all players would go and play Liv. Some would have an issue with the funding from Saudi Arabia. Some would have an issue that they haven't stayed loyal. Other people would just go and don't care. They might pick four or five, ten events to be contracted for a certain amount of time. You know, if the PGA was smart, they'd put windows in or, or do joint ventures where they could do live-based events. The six best live players versus the six best PGA players. So there, there is endless amounts of opportunities for this. And, and I think at the end of the day, it comes back to one thing. Money. Cash. <laughs> Money talks. Well, I think that's a good way to sort of wrap it up, Treaders. But um, thanks for joining us again. Um, like, comment, subscribe, get around us, all that jazz. And um, we will see you next week. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Big Deal. Before you go, don't forget to join our community by subscribing for free at www.thebigdeal.au and get a weekly email bringing together the hottest sports deals, breaking sports biz news as it happens and much more. Join me at www.thebigdeal.au.